Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Daily Sports Talk Show. Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! What's up, everybody? Just in the nick of time. It feels like a Monday, certainly, today. How you doing? Welcome in. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Maybe you're watching SWX Montana Television, or maybe you're streaming on the new ESPN Montana app. I must say new and improved. The uh, The boys in the back have been doing a bunch of work. It looks crystal clear, sounds crystal clear, so appreciate Tommy and Andrew and Jeff for all their work uh, on that. How, No matter how you're tuning in, thanks so much for being here. Busy Monday show, and we're actually doing an, a Monday in-season Montana football hour and a Monday in-season Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty, two of your favorite guys in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas, here to get your week started off right. Hope you had a great weekend. I know the smoke is a drag, but, you know, we're trying to make our best of it. But we have a full slate of football to get to. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz. Uh, joins me here uh, in studio. What's up, my man? How you living? I am doing great. Uh, it is a Monday because we're both running in here. Three fifty-five. Boom. We're ready to hey. go. Turn it on. The smoke is a little bit of a dabber, but were we lucky on Saturday? It kind of cleared for, clear for what a, a half bit, yeah. day, and then it totally just set in. But I'm ready to rock. It took us three weeks, Coulter, to finally get our Monday slot back. We've been kind of jockeying around Labor Day. Uh, threw a wrench into it too, but. We're starting to get a little clarity. I know there's going to be more on that. That's a bit of a tease because the disparity in some of these non-conference schedules is kind sure. of annoying and aggravating. We will get to that. I, I just think when you see the games that are coming up the next week or two, we will have some clarity. It'll be fun to talk I about. I need some uh, some better games in my life for sure. And, and one, I will say this. 
Honestly, the way that the Montana dominated South Dakota sort of retrospectively made you think, uh, I don't want to say lesser of the opponent, but I actually thought South Dakota was a very good opponent. It was just not a very competitive game. A 17-point final score, 24-7 to the final score. But make no mistake, once Montana was up two scores, they were playing like the, it was a foregone conclusion. And with this Grizz defense, that might be uh, all you need. So we're going to get to that here in just a little while. Uh, we also have Marty Mornaway coming up at the top of the hour to talk all things NFL. Week one was crazy, exactly like you'd expect it to be. Have you have you practiced your kicking? Because I think I'm going to start <laughs> Dude, practicing. Oh, I was thinking. I never forget this. This is a good story from childhood. Uh, Scott Palmer and uh, Brian Tripp. Brian Tripp, Tripp, a former Grizz. Those guys, and, and Scott Palmer, the, the father of two guys that uh, played for the Grizzlies and Jason Ty Palmer, they used to always tell us when we were little, they're like, guys, you got to learn how to long snap. Because if you if you can play a position pretty well and you're like a borderline roster guy or a borderline NFL guy, if you can long snap, it might be the difference. And and they all were always talking about Guy Bingham because Guy Bingham played in the NFL for 13 years, a good player, but he hung on forever because of his long snapping ability. Man, when the Bengals snapper went down, this was like the greatest theater I've ever seen. Where you're sitting here watching this guy practice on the sideline, he's got no chance. And you really see how much a tenth of a second matters. A bit For of sure. a high snap throws the whole operation off. That was wild to see. I couldn't help but think of Matthew O'Donohue and Kevin Macias <laughs> on sure, Sunday. Right? But absolutely, it just goes to show you every roster spot matters in the NFL. It's crazy. Coach Marty will be back uh, in studio with us top of the hour. So there you go. It's your show outlook. It's presented by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team. Wahlberg team, the official realtors of Grizz Athletics. Any and all real estate questions you might have in Western Montana, give Brent and his team a call today. You want to stream the show somewhere other than the ESPN Montana app, head over to the station website, 1029ESPN.com. And if you want to be a part of the show, please do. 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. You can call us, you can text us, any and all feedback, questions, comments. What do you think of the Grizz? What do you think of the NFL? What do you think of the Bobcats? What do you think of the Big Sky Conference? I will have you covered. As we can always do, I I like to continue to evolve. There's a lot of people that are really routine. I like to make this thing different all the time because I think it keeps it fresh. Also, though, I've just really been working on our format here as well. And Riley and I, when we get going, we can talk about one thing for an hour if we really want to. So... Because a lot of times the actual tangible results get buried, let's go through the results real quick, and then we'll get into the conversation. Because sometimes we don't even get to what happened in high school football until you know Tuesday at 5. So I just want to rip through it real quick. And I like being on the other side of this because I'm the one with Sunberg all the time. We get the same <laughs> way in the booth. So this is good for me to be on the other side. I'm with you. Go ahead. Okay, good. Uh, so here's your Big Sky Conference scoreboard first. Montana, a 24-7 win over South Dakota. Montana State, a 63-13 win over Moorhead State. Uh, Oregon beat Eastern Washington, 70-14. Ouch. Uh, probably the two biggest wins by Big Sky Conference teams, and we'll get to back to this in about 40 minutes. Weber State, they didn't. I can't even call this an upset because they absolutely drilled Utah State. Utah State's not that great, but we went in there and completely manhandled them. I mean, they pushed them around both sides of the line. Didn't allow an offensive touchdown. A 35-7 win for the Wildcats. That is their first win over an FBS opponent since 1993. So impressive there. And then Northern Arizona, who basically no-showed against Arizona State in Week One, they go to Sam Houston and get a good win, 10-3. So that that's a good, you know, non-conference win. My brother was asking me this. I must say I'm completely out to lunch on this. 
what is Sam Houston in now? Because they moved to the WAC and then they moved out of the WAC and they decided they're going to go to the FBS, but they're like transitioning. Are they in a conference? No, they're independent. <laughs> they're independent Gosh. as they move up. And I mean, their schedule this year, they're in a bizarre spot because James Madison at least is solidified in the Sun Belt. Right. Sam Houston, they're in a weird situation right now. And I hate saying this, but maybe their roster is reflecting it. I mean, three points for at sure. home, that, that just doesn't even seem right. But yes, great win for NAU. And especially, you called it back at Big Sky Kickoff. If NAU could pick off one of these just non-conference one. games, watch out. If they beat North Dakota this week, there's the dark horse everyone was looking they're, for. They might be in the mix for one of those playoff spots out of the Big Sky Conference. Other Big Sky scores, Washington pounded Portland State 52-6. to Wyoming rolled up Northern Colorado 33-10. to Cal Poly beat San Diego. Second year in a row, they beat San Diego. They only have three wins under Bo Baldwin so far uh, in his tenure at Cal Poly, and two of them are uh, over the Toreros. So San Diego, a once-proud program. They have certainly fallen from grace. South Dakota State, UC Davis gave them all they could handle, but SDSU hangs on for a 24-22 win. The other SDSU, the main SDSU, San Diego State, they get past Idaho State. I shouldn't say get past. They throttle Idaho State 38-7. to And then uh, Idaho... Put a scare in their second straight FBS opponent. They were up 10-0 at halftime in Bloomington, but instead Indiana rallies for a 35-22 win. So we'll analyze Big Sky Conference stuff uh, about 445, so stay tuned for that. Around the wider world of college football, which is crazy, we don't have enough time around here, so we hardly ever talk about college football. But if if you pay attention to to lines and you pay attention to scores, uh, my goodness, how many crazy results were, were there? I, we were doing our pregame show. I was, and you were too. I'm sure your phone is getting texts. Alabama, Texas, App State, Texas A&M, all of it was crazy. So here's a little rundown of that as well. Texas was up 16-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter over Alabama. They entered this game as a five-touchdown dog. They were 33-and-a-half-point dogs. They have Alabama back against the wall. Then they get a third and a fourth down stop. You think they got it, and somehow, someway, Alabama pulls it out. They... <laughs> they got away with one. That they call did. in the end zone, I mean, that was something that we couldn't really watch live and said, okay, Alabama got away with it. Texas missed a 20-yard field goal. Man. It's just so weird to me, optics, right? We're up here in the northwest part of Montana. It's a little bit different, right, than being an SEC country and whatnot culture. But the optics are interesting because an unranked Texas beats or could have beaten Alabama, and oh, what yeah. a great gutsy showing. Yeah. But yet it happens in another league, and okay, wow, they, they totally overlooked him. It's just interesting how the optics are switched with Alabama. Great showing by Texas, but for sure. man, that that result totally shocked me, but App State maybe a little bit more. For sure, absolutely. <laughs> App State goes into Texas A&M, goes into College Station, and gets a 17-14 to win. Did you see the video of Boone, North Carolina? Yes, I saw the video. Did you see the video of the Yell Night pep rally the night before with Texas no. A&M? They want that scrub from the internet. They absolutely roasted Appalachian State, just calling them a hillbilly school and whatnot. That leaked oh, onto the internet. You'd want to talk about eating crow. Oh, man. It's the ultimate kind. Jimbo Fisher, a little hot seat here this week with Miami coming into town. There's no doubt about it. And I, all I could think of was the only uh, place where you might party as hard as Boone, North Carolina, <laughs> if you went to College Station, is if, like, Montana, Montana State, or Montana Tech were to somehow beat Texas A&M. All I could think, Montana of, Tech, all I could think about was like if Butte High could somehow win at Texas A&M, the party in the mining city would just be <laughs> off the hook. Maybe the most detrimental result to the, the actual future of the coach, though, came as Notre Dame lost to Marshall 26-21. Notre Dame is now 0-3 under Marcus Freeman. They just keep on searching for answers. Uh, th- that one hurt. And... and- 
0-3 with a little asterisk, okay? You lose to a top 10 Oklahoma State and a top 5 Ohio State on the road. That can maybe be excused, but never losing at home to Marshall. That That's devastating. And we'll see how they rebound because now... Notre Dame, they're going to have to win, win what, nine, ten games just to be relevant again? Sure. No one's going to talk about them for a while. It's tough for Marcus Freeman. It's uh, it's not all roses when you're the head coach at Notre Dame. He's finding that out the hard way. Washington State went into Camp Randall. They beat Wisconsin, so it was just a crazy upside-down world in the wide world. Oh, come on. That's football. not an upset. Go Cougs, right? <laughs> Let's go. First ranked win against a non-conference team in 20 years for the Cougs. Had to love that. And uh, I believe... That Washington State's quarterback is from Wisconsin as well. This is a and running back. This is a big point of consternation for Wisconsin fans. Yes, it very much is that they uh, wouldn't recruit in their own state. And uh, head coach comes in. He's from Wisconsin. Jake Dickert, quarterback, running back. Yeah, it was it was a homecoming of sorts and tough. Let's just say a, a tough weekend if you were a Wisconsin sports fan. <laughs> Nuance now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN Montana app. Riley Corcoran. Voice of the Grizz in studio with me. Okay, no need to analyze this. We'll, we'll just rip through some scores quickly here. These are just some of the pertinent scores uh, with a heavy emphasis on the AA level and in western Montana here for you. On Thursday night, Billings West got their first win of the year, 16-15 over Bozeman Gallatin. Kalispell Glacier, they're averaging almost 54 points per game. Grady Bennett's team throwing the rock. They are moving it up and down the field. They beat Missoula Big Sky 55-14. Our Lee beat Darby 22-20. Billings Senior... Shuts out their crosstown rival, Billing Skyview, 30 to 20, 30 to 0, excuse me. Bozeman High, their first win against a previously undefeated Great Falls High team, 24-14. I expect both those teams to be in the mix for the playoffs later on down the road. Flint Creek beat Lone Peak 50 to 19. Florence Carlton stay undefeated. The Class B defending state champions. They beat Cutbank 37-0. Great Falls CMR rolled up 63 points on a 63-6 win over Belgrade. Hamilton beats Frenchtown 27 to 20. Helena beats Butte 41-35. Helena Capital is 3-0 now with a 51-14 win over Kalispell Flathead. Missoula Sentinel, 24 victories and counting, 45-0 over Missoula Hellgate. And Mission, that's St. Ignatius for those keeping track at home. They beat Valley Christian 70-12. Most surprising result? What, what one stands out the most? Of all those scores that you ripped through there, which one stands out the most to you? I, I'm kind of I'm getting my feet wet in the high school. Yeah, I was yeah. like seeing four or five games in. Sure. Obviously, you know the favorites, but what one maybe stands out uh, to you? I mean, I, I thought Bozeman's win was big because Bozeman's good, and they had a really hard schedule out the gates. They lost to Helena Capital and to Missoula Sentinel, so they played the two best teams. Great Falls High is really good. That was their only. Uh, that was only their first loss. So. Uh, th- that's a pivotal game, though. I expect both those teams to be there. I just think it's impressive the way Kalispell Glacier is doing it. They're three and zero, but they're they're just scoring at uh, at such a high level. Let's and do- Sentinel Glacier this week, right? Number one Sentinel, at number three. If I'm not Sentinel mistaken, Sentinel Glacier is going to be a really good one. Riley Corkin, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuana is here in studio. Let's dive into the Montana Football Hour. It's presented in part by Blackfoot Communications. Uh, what do you got on Inside the Den this week? It released it earlier today. It's that Monday afternoon. Make sure you download it. We uh, caught up with Grizzly Bill Schwanke. He was the, the fifth Very person nice. that was on. Really cool for me. Kind of a surreal moment to, sure. to interview one of my mentors and put him on. Then also Kurt Mallory, uh, opposing coach for Indiana State. They obviously have dealt with tragedy a month ago. And then also a good look on their team. It's the first time that the Grizz and the Sycamores are playing. So the new Inside the Den's out. Make sure you download it. All your favorite podcast platforms and of course thanks to our good friends at blackfoot who i know love to collaborate with both of us and uh the proud sponsor the inside the den and also the digital sponsor of grizzly athletics uh has the grizz ever played a game in indiana i need to look 
I don't think they Bobby Houck told me today he's never coached a game he, in Indiana. He's never coached a game there. And, and just break it down. What? You have Notre Dame, Purdue, Indiana, Indiana State. I know that those four teams the Grizz had never sure. played before. So I would think. I'll, I'll do a deeper dive. Obviously, the first time that these two have played unique. It, it's just going to be kind of that bizarre trip. I really reminiscent of when the Grizz went to Macomb, Illinois, kind of in the middle sure. of nowhere in the cornfields. <laughs> kind of the same way with uh, this trip this week. Could be very interesting. I thought that Saturday's game against South Dakota for Montana was, uh, in a lot of ways, very similar to their opener against Northwestern State, just in terms of the strengths that they showed. I thought you could tell Montana sharpened a few things. I thought their offensive line play was much better. Uh, I thought their defensive execution was uh, slightly better, which is... I mean, I don't know how much better this team can get, but they, you could tell that they're, they they want to continue to get better. I was going to say, where's the bar? At least I right know, now, it just man. keeps getting ra- every single week. I mean, the expectation now, people were people were upset when the game was over. I mean, that's how you know Grizzly football's back of what happened there in the fourth quarter a sure. little bit. The expectation, I guess, culture is just so high. With this defense, you don't expect an opposing team to do anything. And it's very interesting to hear Bobby Halkin and to watch him coach as well because uh, – Montana came out once again, second game in a row with a very diverse, very creative and very wide open offensive script. And their first three possessions, they're looking like they're running real new modern offense with all sorts of weapons and all sorts of stuff and pitch options and uh, zone reads and RPOs and all this stuff. And then they're up 13, nothing. And then they get a little vanilla. And I think that that's almost a hundred percent by design. And Bobby Halk made an interesting comment. He, it wasn't a direct comment. He kind of just said it in the flow of his stream of consciousness, but he said at no point in this game was I ever uncomfortable. And it seems as if when this team gets a two score lead, that's how they want to operate. Well, and don't kid yourself. That was a calculated statement from For coach sure. Halk as well. And wouldn't you feel that way with how good that this defense is when you get a two score lead Coulter, We've talked about it. This team's preparing for November and December. So if you get up by two scores, you know, a couple things work. What I am have really seen now is just how the distribution is gone. Sure. We're talking about depth, right? But if you look a step further, Lucas Johnson in game one, eight different receivers. Game yep. two, 11 different receivers. Yep. The running backs, no one's had more than 10 carries in a game so far, the first two. It just seems like to me that they are laying the groundwork. Yes, you could say, okay, vanilla a little bit, but I think it's pretty calculated. Why would they unload everything when it just seems to me there's a calculated plan behind it? Well, and it seems like they can do pretty much whatever they want. Like when they want it to be Keelan White's drive, it's Keelan White's drive. That's the guy that's getting the three passes they're going to throw on that respective drive. When it's Junior Bergen's turn, it's his turn. When it's Aaron Font's turn, it's his turn. I don't think it was a coincidence that you saw all those guys I just named. I had two or three catches or two or three like targets where they were kind of the focal point, and it was all on the same possession. And then it was another guy's turn. And they're certainly doing a a really good job uh, of getting everybody involved. It's the Montana Football Hour, presented in part by the Advocates. As summer turns into fall, everybody's busy. You're running around all over the place. Distracted and dangerous driving is detrimental to all of us. If you or a loved one has been injured in an accident, the Advocates are here to help you. The Advocates will handle the overwhelming legal process. You can get back on your feet emotionally, financially, and physically. Call 406 640 Four 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 four. Call the advocates today. What else did you think about the Grizz? I have a lot of observations, but I want to get to you first sure. because you can look at the offensive line that I yep. can't. And let's just—it's the elephant in the room. Everyone wanted to know yep. how did the line look. Well, it was a test against the Missouri Valley squad. How did it look? You said a little bit better. Take us kind of inside the game. I'm very yep. curious your take on it as well. Maybe on both well, sides, but particularly the offensive line. Well, let's line. first start with this. I thought that South Dakota, from a personnel and athleticism standpoint was very good. 
from, from what I've seen, and I haven't seen all the Big Sky teams in like huge chunks yet. I've checked in on every single Big Sky team for little moments in time. And plus you do all your research in the offseason and stuff like that. But I think South Dakota's fronts are very comparable to good to great Big Sky Conference fronts. I think both their offense and defensive lines would be, you know, top half, if if not better than that, in the league. I thought their offensive line was good. I, I actually thought South Dakota's offensive line was as good as Montana's offensive line. And, again, we're always analyzing this Grizz offensive line with sort of this caveat of the ghosts of the past as well. You know, you're sort of comparing to teams of yesteryear, and maybe we do that a little too much around here. But I thought that South Dakota's linebackers were very good. I thought 21 was a very good player. I thought the DB number one was one of the best players on the field. Miles Harden, he, he's a guy I'm going to keep watching. He's only a sophomore. Like, I actually think he's like league. He, he moves really, really well. He's got great ball skills. So aggressive. So, open field tackling. I mean, open field tackling. He can take the ball from you. So that's all to say, you can tell South Dakota is from a great conference. You can tell they fund their program. You can tell they're recruiting at a really high level. And I also think Bob Nielsen's a good coach. He was almost beside himself in the postgame press conference because he was like, we played terrible on offense, but I don't really know what else we could have done. And, and that's where I, I'm at with this Grizz defense. So for, I guess we'll get back to that. We're going to come back to what I was just about to say. But to answer your question... I thought that the Grizz offensive line uh, on the interior is now, I can say, good. I I think that they are good. I think that A.J. Forbes is good. By the way, A.J. Forbes will join us here uh, on the show on Wednesday as our Grizz star of the week. I think Hunter McGinnis is very good, and I think Liam Brown has a chance to be very good. Liam Brown's still kind of feeling his way out, but, man, in terms of, like, if he gets going in the right way, He's more than fine. He is one big sucker, and he and he's strong. Athleticism too, right? He's, he's I athletic mean. for sure. Uh, and so I, I do think that it's going to be just a continued learning curve for uh, Chris Walker, the left tackle. You could just tell he just hasn't played the position in a while. Uh, he, it's just it's fundamental stuff that's just eluding him, just in terms of like pad level, and he he gets out and reaches sometimes. You can tell so much watching him that he's a defensive lineman. Because he's really, really, really aggressive, and sometimes he just like lunges instead of like you know getting his butt down. Now we're getting into way too much of the, the fundamentals <laughs> of playing offensive line. But I thought the Grizz offensive line played a, made a made a big step. It, you know, our our ability to analyze statistics is so skewed in college football now because so many teams run so much crazy stuff. And sometimes you have these games where you just get millions of yards against nobody. The game situation totally takes over in college. All I'm saying is like we. Our barometer of gauging what a good yards per carry in college football has become like 5.5 to 6 because you can get there when you play Moorhead State. When you're playing against a real opponent, 4.5 yards per carry is still a very good mark. And Montana, I think, averaged 4.4 yards per carry on Saturday. So I thought their offensive line was very good. And that includes sacks. And that's why college is a little bit different, too, when you take yards per carry, goes against rush yards and, and whatnot, too. But I did. I mean, at least in an initial push, Lucas Johnson with only one sack. And I know that that comes with a little bit of an asterisk because he is elusive. So it's a little bit of a different number that, okay, he's only been sacked twice this year. Well, he can get out of things that other quarterbacks can't. But overall, I would agree with you. I think the assessment of the line, they passed their first test. Now, does that mean they can rest on their laurels? No, because Indiana State, they're also very big up front, as you'd expect. So this t- this unit con- needs to continue to get better, but I- they passed their first test. Let's talk briefly. I want to come back to my, my thought about Montana and uh, – analyzing their defense. But let's talk briefly about the Montana State game. 63-13 over Moorhead State. We're not going to give this game much analysis for no other reason than I thought Moorhead State was utterly, completely overmatched. I mean, they're coming off of a 
63-14 win over Mercer, or a loss to Mercer, which is by no means a power, although Mercer isn't in the top 25 this week. But uh, Morehead State has a long ways to go. Oh, well, I, I shouldn't even say that. I think they're playing at the wrong level. I think they're straight up playing at the wrong level because the, the Bobcats had no running backs. They had no Isaiah Fonse. They had no Kagan Williams, who, by the way, Brent Vegan declared the San Diego State transfer out for the season today. So that's a huge blow. Never got to play a snap for the Bobcats. Lane Sumner, who was the breakout star of week one against McNeese State, he was out. And then Jared White, a true freshman who was making his first start, he suffered what looked like a pretty serious lower leg injury. He's out indefinitely as well. So then you basically had Elijah Elliott, who only got four carries in this game, and Garrett Kuhn, who's a walk-on out of Wyoming, who's never played in a college football game. He didn't get any carries in this game either. This was a ridiculous game to try to watch because the Bobcats did what you thought they were going to do just in terms of early. They dominated the game. They got up 28-0. Then they were trying to run it out, but you don't want to run it with with your prized quarterback and Tommy Mlock you don't want him to get hurt. But then your backup quarterback happens to be one of your best athletes as a uh, FBS transfer in Sean Chambers. They were just trying to run QB power, and he scored a 55 and a 35-yard touchdown while they're trying to run the game out. And, all, you know, they, they didn't have anybody to run it with, and so they don't have any design runs. So then it looks like they're trying to run it up because they're running wide receiver reverses just to try to get the clock moving, and Moorhead couldn't tackle them. By the time this was all said and done, I bet you they played 80-plus guys. And, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that drives me crazy about scheduling. I get that you need the gate and all that stuff, and, I, and I'm not criticizing the MSU administration at all for scheduling this game. These are just the games where you're just like, well, this is just this is silly to have on the schedule. There was no real competitive element to this contest. Well, you're starting to see that the FCS level, and I think as teams continue to transition and move up, you're seeing the stark drop-off from the top level to what the middle to bottom level is of the FCS. And whether it's the bottom of the Southland Conference in sure. Northwestern State sure. or, and McNeese, who actually have scholarships, to the non-scholarship league of the San Diego's and the Moorhead sure. States out there, yeah. it's just hard to be competitive culture. And I know people maybe around the country ad nauseum about the Missouri Valley and the Big Sky, but, man, outside of those two in the CAA, it's really you're down to two or sure. three leagues. But even the Southland is a re- – I mean, the Southland yeah. is still kind of a real league. They've yeah. slipped a lot, and there's been a lot of of lure to the FBS ranks for so many of their old members that have moved on and moved up. But they still have a recruiting territory and recruiting budget and, like, coaches that are – I don't know, man. I, the Pioneer League is cute and everything, but it's just – I mean, when you have a school in San Diego and a school in Jacksonville competing in the same league and it's a non-scholarship league, it doesn't make much sense. You got Butler up there in Indianapolis. You got Marist, Marist Moorhead I mean, State. I mean, it's just a thrown-together league. Davidson, Dayton. It, it, it is. It's and, weird. And I think, to further your point— and It's a great D3 league. Exactly. It's a Division three league. They, they are great sc- academic schools. They all—none of them have a- athletic scholarships. They're open to high priority on academics. That's why they're in the same conference. They should just be D3. That's there, what they are. There's no shame in that. Wouldn't you Not rather all. compete at the D3 level and maybe make a playoff run once every five years compared to going and getting smacked by 50 each week and, and trying to do that? I'm totally with you, and I think just to conclude that point, I think just as fans in the state of Montana, we just expect more, right? We get 11 right. sacred Saturdays per year for either team, whoever you root for. And anytime it's just a dog coming in, it's a little bit, I don't know, it's a little bit interesting. Underwhelming. I share your sentiments. The Montana Football Hour is presented in part by Stockman Bank. Stockman Bank invites you to experience the Stockman difference. As a family-owned community bank with locations throughout Montana, Stockman Bank is committed to enriching the lives of Montanans 
and helping our community succeed. What that means for you is that your money stays in the local economy, supporting your friends and your neighbors. Why is the Grizz defense actually the easiest defense to analyze in all of the Big Sky Conference? I'll tell you next right here. Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultelaw.com. You know, I usually have a, a deeper meaning for all the music we play around here. I just want to listen to the Stones today. We got five Stones songs for you. I don't know. Hopefully you'll love it. I don't know how you couldn't. Welcome back. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the uh, new ESPN Montana app. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuwana, in studio. It is the Montana Football Hour. It's presented in part by Stockman Bank. Stockman Bank has 36 locations throughout the state of Montana. They are in Montana and only in Montana, and they plan on keeping it that way. Let Stockman Bank show you Montana's brand of banking. Uh, Riley, I teased that I wanted to talk about this Grizz defense and uh, just in terms of the analyzing it. What they do is so unbelievably complicated and so unbelievably uh, complex. It takes an unbelievable level of physical conditioning, an unbelievable level of high motor, and an unbelievable number of players to actually do it. That said, in terms of the, the details of how you can beat it, I think there's only one way, and I think it's it's a quarterback that can stand in the pocket, get hit in the face 50 times, and somehow, some way, connect on one of the deep passes. And uh, I thought Cameron Champ, the quarterback for South Dakota, was good, but he was, you know, he was about five yards too far on uh, the eight shots that he had, and he did, he only hit one of them, and South Dakota wasn't able to do anything. Fair assessment that the deep ball, I think, is the kryptonite of the defense, right? I mean, that's that's the way that you're going to try and beat it, but you can just see Coulter, especially from our vantage point up there in the press box, just how much the defense wears a quarterback down, and I think maybe even more mentally than physically, I mean, because you uh, know your window's closing, your time is running out five sacks in this game but the final one was the exclamation point when Braxton Hill sacked Cameron Champ in the north end zone and then gets mauled by all of his linebacker buddies what a moment for the kid from Anaconda what a two-week stretch for the kid from Anaconda I mean Braxton Hill is a a great player Uh, honestly Braxton Hill if he was two years I mean I I think he has a comparable skill set to Dante Olsen I know that's crazy but I think they they play very similar well and this is a tough comparison too because he still has a long ways to go but the big question in the offseason were how are the Grizz going to replace Jace Lewis sure 
Braxton Hill's doing a pretty dang good What's, job. I mean, Marcus Wilmell's right playing like an All-American right now as well. I what mean, do you think of the linebacking core in general The linebacking right now? core is out of control, man. I think that they're playing at such a high level. I think that this team has a good culture, but I think that the linebackers have the best culture of any position group on the team. You can tell that they lead themselves, that the hierarchy of leadership and the hierarchy of performance has been determined within the group. It's not anointed by coaches. It's not anointed by any adult. It has everything to do with those young men. But when Hill sacked Cameron Champ, and all the guys are going crazy in the North End Zone, and Patrick O'Connell summed it up so well in the post-game press conference, he said that's every Montana kid's dream. But Cameron Champ crawled off the field. I mean, the poor guy, he was just defeated, fully defeated. Uh, but that's all to say, though, here's my question for you. The Grizz have, a, have one defined way that you can beat this ferocious defense, and that is by attacking them up the middle, up the seam, and, and it takes a quarterback like an Eric Berrier or like a Cole Johnson from James Mass. It takes one of the best quarterbacks in the country to be able to do it. But also it takes an elite receiver that can That's go right. up the seam like a Lemu Jones or, or the lead totally. guys that James Madison had too. The question, though, is is do there's going to be a point when they face that team, though, especially in November and December. Do they need to have something in their back pocket to, to audible to? Because here's what I think, I, and I'm not trying to say that they should do anything different defensively, but I think even with what they do defensively right now, you can still have this complete and utter mayhem among your, let's call it your front six, your, your three linemen and your three linebackers. I think you could switch up some of your defensive personnel in certain situations. You could play Justin Ford or Corbin Walker at that inside nickel spot because those both those guys can tackle and they can uh, – play such good man-to-man, then, I mean, I think there's a package that they could make where Corbin Walker, Justin Ford, Trevin Gradney, and Jaden Dawson are all on the field. And I think when that happens, it's going to be against the teams that obviously have all those skill possession guys, sure. right? But when do they pull that out? And this is interesting because this goes back to when you, Andrew, myself, yeah. when we were out at Big Sky Kickoff, what was one of the, the narratives of the league? It shifted, right? It's not your spread it out five wide. true. Okay, now if this was... And you don't have Eric Berry anymore. Exactly. If you had the Grizzly, this Grizzly defense in the Big Sky four or five years ago, I would say absolutely. They need a package in there every game. But Coulter, I'd go right back to you and say of of the teams that are on Montana's schedule, outside of Sacramento State, I mean the Eastern Washingtons of last year and whatnot, who in the Big Sky has that makeup of a team that can have a quarterback that stands in there, a wide receiver elite down the seam, and that could force problems on Montana because most of the teams that we're yeah. kind of circling as the big games, they don't have that kind of skill set. Yeah, I mean, NAU's got it, but they don't. Montana doesn't play NAU. Uh, I guess I, I guess you'd like to believe that NAU has it. I don't, I, NAU still has to prove it a little bit more, but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going through all the teams in my head right now. Eastern Sac. I mean, I'm just trying. I mean, yeah. Weber State does not. Montana State does not. Sure. I just uh, I think it's such a it's such a dichotomy. <laughs> it's such a great situation to be in where you are the one that dictates everything with the way that you play defensively. That's what Montana does. They dictate everything with how they play defensively. And I think right there though is the answer to your question. They're still going to do what they do. They well, are so sure. confident that hey. Let's just try and make somebody do that. To be, it takes an Eric Berry and a Lemu Jones to beat us to do that. So sure. I would maybe lean more on that than anything else. Yeah, I just I was just really thinking in my head like you could still get a ton of uh, opportunities on the field for guys like Robbie Houck and Garrett Graves. 
while also getting a bunch of your best athletes out there on the field on the perimeter too. I don't know. It's, it's all going to just depend on matches. But at this point, the way that they're doing it, they've drilled it so hard that the way that they play is just so uh, – it's at such a high level. It's not just the t- statistics. If you actually watch the way that everybody on every play does their job, it's amazing. I mean, if you can get a defensive unit to perform at about 60% perfection, that's unbelievable. Montana's performing – I mean, they're, they're like nine out of every ten snaps. They're doing their jobs, all 11 guys, almost exactly right. And you talk about the linebacking core. I think they've taken the headline so far, rightfully so. Alex Gubner in the middle has just been a monster. And the defensive ends, they've rotated well. But there's a group I don't think we've talked about yet, yeah. and it's because of how the game situation has played out. But even on the radio broadcast, a name I haven't said much is Justin Ford. And sure. that's because of how shutting much he's, he's shutting him down. Carter Bell was all Missouri Valley last year, led the team in receptions. You know how many he had on Saturday? Zero. Yeah. He never had a catch. And Northwestern State's top receiver had one. So, I mean, even down to the back end right now, guys that we're not even calling and seeing, you're right, at all three levels right now, they're, they're playing at a high level. Parents, if you have a young driver in the house that was injured because of someone else's negligence called the advocates they'll take over the stressful legal process so you can take care of your child and help get them back on their feet everybody deserves an advocate so call the advocates today 640-4444 and remember the advocates are here to help you uh, okay so th- this brings us then into and, and by the way as i mentioned earlier i think that south dakota is a very good opponent uh you'd like to say that that montana beat a playoff team on Saturday, but I don't think South Dakota's schedule is going to be conducive to that. Unfortunately, I think that South Dakota is going to be backs against the wall before October even gets here with what they have in front of them. That said, uh, I, I like that schedule, that game on the schedule. I like Mont- I think Montana's going to be a huge favorite going to Terre Haute, Indiana this week to play Indiana State. But I still like that schedule, that game on the schedule because it's a real FCS opponent. One of the things that drives me nuts about college football this day and age is. And it's it's accentuated by the fact that I love the NFL so much. But what we see yesterday, I mean, the teams that are supposed to be the worst teams in the NFL, the Texans, Bears. The, the Bears, I, I mean, they they bring it. And if you bring it, you can win every week in the NFL. It doesn't matter because the salary cap league, the, the parity is crazy. I, I just have a hard time engaging in football games where it's a foregone conclusion. You could tell the game in Bozeman was over before it even started. I mean, their players were asking my Skyline photographers for pictures. They wanted portraits from the sidelines. This no. Guy, they're not locked in. I mean, they're just there to hang out and get a paycheck and whatever. So, and, the, and those guys don't even get a paycheck. It's just a school that gets a paycheck. But anyways, I, I think this is a cross-college football. And, the, and for all of the downfalls of what's going to happen here in the immediate future, with this Super 3 and all of the top teams being the same league. Well, guess what that's going to mean, though? It's going to mean almost—it's going to mean pretty much across the board every single week is going to be a great game. It's going to be a, a, a pure opponent. Alabama's not going to be able to play Gardner-Webb anymore. Tennessee's not going to be able to play Chattanooga before you know they play their rival or whatever. And, and so then maybe this trickles down to this level as well. Again, I know that you sometimes you got to take what you can get and get a, a team on the schedule. If you're the Montana schools, it's particularly alluring because in September, with a September home game, it doesn't matter who you play. You're going to sell every ticket that you got. I mean, Bobcats were over capacity for the second week in a row. Montana sold out for the second week in a row. So you take what you can get. 
But I just non-competitive football games are just very hard for me to have any sort of intrigue in. Well, stay with me on this one because I think with the expanded playoff at the FBS, it's interesting because you're finding out. I want to see how non-conference schedule plays out at the top level now that you might have a game or two to give. But the reason that you're not seeing the Alabamas of the world minus last week going to play someone is – they dump one game, they kind of ruin all their chances. For What's sure. the benefit? Well, guess what? Same deal at the FCS level. No, because I get it. North I get Dakota it. State, their first two games, North Carolina A&T and Drake. Yeah, right, right. Right? Because they know, hey, it doesn't do us much good to play a premier FCS game and maybe screw up our chances at never leaving the Fargo Dome in December. There is that line of thinking. I don't agree with it. I can sense that you don't agree with it as well, but I think it's just a, a trickle-down effect from the Alabamas in the top level well, so, so tell me this. So if this uh, Super 3 comes to fruition, which I believe it's going to, basically what I'm alluding to is I think that the top 40 to 50 uh, football programs in the country Everybody that makes $75 million or more in revenue on football is going to be in the same level, however many that is, 42, 60, whatever. What the Power Five is now is going to be distributed into three conferences. I think there's a reality there where they almost exclusively play each other. They'll they'll have to play each other in non-conference games, aside from their conference games. But then maybe it readjusts what college football is. Maybe forever and ever and ever, one of the best parts about college football is you have to go undefeated to win the national championship. Or not, you don't have to, but most likely it's going to take going undefeated to win the national championship. One of the best parts about the FCS level is, besides North Dakota State, most teams don't go undefeated. It's all about how do you respond to that one or or that second loss? How do you respond to that pivotal loss? But maybe this readjusts the way that we think about the big-time college football. I think it's going to. It, it might take some time to at least trickle down all the way to even the FCS level, but we need more of it. We need more big-time games in the non-conference. It just helps showcase the sport, even all the way down here. Who wouldn't love to see more Missouri Valley Big Sky matchups in Week 2, Week 3? Um, I know we're nit- nitpicking a little bit. It's a big week coming up, which uh, I know we're going to get into, but the Big Sky, the Missouri Valley, they've risen to the top at the poll this week, too, Coulter, and just seeing it's arguably one of the best non-conference weeks the Big Sky has had in a long time when you talk about respectable losses and big-time wins. My last question for you on this note before we take a break, then we're going to get into some of those big sky scores from this previous week, some of the games that are coming up on the schedule uh, this upcoming week as well. Uh, How much right now is the Grizz playing opponents and how much is the Grizz playing against their own expectations? I think it's their own expectations, 98% of it. I really do. I mean, there is Team X that has game plan Y, and they're putting it together. But don't kid yourself. They have their own internal expectations. I can just tell you, there was it was not all bells and whistles after the game. They, people were upset with the way that they closed out that game in the fourth quarter. Well, they, they did not close it out well. And uh, why I, is that? Because they have their own set of expectations. They beat true. a playoff team at home by 17, but they're thinking... And that's not just coach speak. There was true anger afterwards at the way that they played there in the fourth quarter. And I, I think that's the answer to your question. Especially until... Maybe the Idaho, and I'm not looking ahead, but I mean the Idaho or the Sac State game is when yeah. you really start looking at opponent and going yeah. there. They're playing yeah. against themselves now. Well, and, and and you see this on football teams across the board. Like when you got Troy Anderson, you just expect Troy Anderson to bail you out. When you got Jordan Johnson, you just expect Jordan Johnson to bail you out. When you got Dave Dickinson, when stuff's going bad, everybody just looks at Dave Dickinson and says, Dave, make a play for us. Darius McGee was like that at MSU as well. Guys that everybody looks to. 
The Grizz are fortunate right now because they got a dozen or so guys on the defensive side to do that. But you also wonder, like, the offense, the, the Grizz had an impossible time closing that game out in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter went forever because they couldn't just get a first down. And I guarantee you that's why the coaches were mad because it's like, dude, if we just get three yards per carry, three plays in a row, get a first down, we're going to be able to milk this thing out. And they couldn't do it. They went three and out three times in the fourth quarter. But you wonder if that's just, well, we don't really have to get this first down because we, we just want to watch the defense go just light their hair on fire again. Well, I'm going to go to one play because I want to ask you about it rather than the other way around, the fourth and one, because that's the play, obviously, that yeah. kind of ruined the shutout, let's just say. It would have been the first time in 75 years back-to-back shutouts. Your thoughts, play call, fourth and one? I know that was a, a huge topic of conversation afterwards, too, with a 22 nothing game. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean... The, the South Dakota running back was really good, too, though. Yeah. I, I mean, that kid's... Are, Travis Tice, he, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. He He's a really good back. I was talking with Tim Houck afterwards. He goes, that guy might be in the league. And, no, for and real, that though, man. my he, ears up. I mean, he, he reminds me of a little bit of Josh Davis at Weber State, except for he's, Ooh, he's, way, he's bigger, though. He's shifty. Way, I mean, he's, I mean he, he, he's good. I thought he was outstanding. He's only a sophomore as well. South Dakota had a bunch of really good sophomores, actually. They only have two senior starters, so watch out for the Coyotes down the road. But here's what I think. I think that every time that Montana plays a dominant game that is also with flaw, that is the best scenario you can have when Bobby Houck is your head coach because he wants things to be able to work out. I thought Patrick O'Connell in the postgame press conference was so funny because he was like, eh, well, you know, we got this and this and this and this and this to work on. And it's like, man, you guys just gave up. 12 first downs. To a, Andrew said a great the recap. It's hard to believe. You know, yeah, it's kind of right. like hard to believe them totally. a little bit when they do. Even Braxton Hill, when he came up, he totally. goes, man, we got to work on a lot of things. And Coach Hawk said, yeah, the first play. You know, that's I mean, right. he gets back to it. You can just tell. They're, they're grinding. For sure. And I think that that's uh, something that will give them uh, motivation moving forward. Montana Football Hour here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. It's presented in part by Blackfoot Communications. Thanks to Blackfoot for all of their awesome support of all the things we do from uh, their various sponsorships on our various podcast network episodes and uh, series, as well as uh, being the digital sponsor of Grizz Athletics. We appreciate Blackfoot uh, for all of their help in all of our uh, continued development and uh, happy to have them on board. Great partners here uh, in this local market. They're awesome people to deal with. It's great having partners that you can go to lunch with and brainstorm with all the time. So we appreciate Blackfoot for all of their continued uh, intellectual development with us here at uh, ESPN Radio. What went down around the rest of the Big Sky? Well, a huge win. The first FBS win by Weber State since 1993. Another win that could have playoff ramifications for Northern Arizona. Plus, there's a huge slate of Big Sky Conference action upcoming. We'll get to all that next. Keep it right here. Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz, rolling with me, Coulter Nuanas. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Welcome back. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. It's the Montana Football Hour here on your radio waves. Maybe you're listening uh, on SWX Montana Television, or maybe you're watching on the ESPN Montana app. No matter how you're here, appreciate you doing so. I meant to show you this, Riley. Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz, joining me here, uh, in Coulter Nuanas in studio. Uh, wow. Look at this picture. This is the 1982 Big Whoa. Sky Conference champions, and... Uh, it's funny, you know, one of the things that uh, I enjoy about getting older is the perspective that you get in life 
And well, I, my family moved to Missoula uh, in 1993. And so for the first 17 years that I lived in Missoula, I mean, it was death, taxes, and, and 11 wins for the Grizzlies, home football games, Big Sky Conference championships. I mean, they the Grizz won the Big Sky Conference every single year from when I was in first grade until I graduated college. And, and so then you start taking it for granted because it's the only thing that you ever really knew. But I look at this picture here of 1982, and it's easy to forget that the Grizz won no Big Sky Conference championships in the 1970s. They won in 1969 and then not again until 1982. And that was like... A, a huge deal. Marty Mornaweg was a quarterback. He'll join us here in about 10 minutes. Brian Salonen was the big tight end on that team. Oh, I need to find those two in this picture, by the way. But you're right. Th- this kind of springboarded it for Montana. And, and I'm just as guilty as you are. We're around the same age. That before our time, Grizzly football was not all rainbows right. and unicorns. It, it wasn't. Right. That's right. And so you got to give credit for the guys that did build it up. Uh, by the way, Big golf scramble coming up on Wednesday for the Missoula Education Foundation. And we got a couple spots left on the team to play with the one and only Ryan Tutel. So we've been telling you to text your scorecards in and as things like that. But right now, since we're uh, day of when we're actually going to pick this thing, just text us, 406-888-1029. If you want to play golf, 10 a.m. Wednesday morning at the Missoula Country Club, just text us. Text us golf. Text us your handicap. Whatever. I know some of you maybe don't have the scorecards. But we need you right now. If you want to play golf, 10 a.m. for free at the Missoula Country Club as part of the Missoula Education Foundation uh, Scramble, text us right now, 406-888-1029. If we weren't so busy, we'd be playing it as well. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about the rest of the Big Sky Conference from over the weekend, Riley. The Montana Football Hour, by the way, is presented in part by the advocates. The advocates don't collect a dime until you win your case. Contact an advocate by calling 406-640-4444 or visit online 24-7 at MontanaAdvocates.com. The big win of the weekend for Big Sky Conference teams, Weber State going to Utah State, smacking them 35-7. Four interceptions for the Wildcats. No offensive touchdowns allowed from Utah State. I, I watched the game. Weber's really good on the lines again. This it, is this is always like a game that gets that seems to land on the schedule often, and it seems like Weber seems to be a, a popular upset pick. And this time there was no upset; they just went and smacked up. I mean, if you looked at what the guys in the desert thought, it was less than a touchdown. I mean, Utah yeah. State was only yeah. favored by a couple points, so it goes to show you, Coulter, that chip on the shoulder for Weber State was real. Is it all? I want to know team identity because I didn't get to watch much of this compared to you. But is it the same old Weber? They're just sticking with their strengths. Are there any wrinkles, or is it just, hey, dominating play up front, give it to your running backs, and I manage they, the game? I think they got good lines. I okay. think they're really, really good in the secondary. I think they got a better quarterback than they've had. I think Bronson Barron's good. I don't think he's like Eric Berrier, but I think he's good. Uh, I think he's he's definitely an operational guy that can he can make a difference. He can, can I, change a game. Can I put you on the spot? We didn't plan this out beforehand. If you could right now re-rank the top four teams in the Big Sky Conference, because I think it's pretty consensus who those top four are, how yeah. would you do it? I would rank them uh, in order Montana 1, Weber State 2, Sac State, Montana State tied for three. I would agree with I you. I need to see... Montana State has been just trying to get as many guys on the field as they possibly can. They've got an incomplete grade right now. They they have an incomplete grade, exactly. I think that in game one, I think the first half of that game, they played an unknown opponent, and they played the hype of the entire offseason. And I thought they didn't do either of those ones very well. But then they came into the locker room, figured it out, adjusted, and ran roughshod over McNeese State. This last week, they were just trying to get out of there. 
and they just couldn't stop scoring. They weren't even trying to score as many points as they scored <laughs> in their 63-13 to win over Moorhead State. Uh, but Sack, to me, one of the things that – Troy Taylor is such an offensive heavy guy. They've been so good on offense with Kevin Thompson, Jake Dunaway, and the great re- uh, receivers and, and running backs that they've had. They've also been good on the offensive line. But their defense has been very good. I don't know if their defense is any good anymore. I watched them against Utah Tech. Utah Tech was moving the ball at will. Utah Tech had over 500 yards I mean, passing. they scored 35 points. I mean, that, that tells you what you need to know. Sac State had a bye week last week, but it's, it's interesting because now the Cats and the Hornets will both have consecutive road games in the next two weeks. We're going to find out a lot about those two teams in the next few weeks. Right, Corcoran, voice of the Grizz here with me. Uh, Coulter Nuanez on the Montana Football Hour, presented in part by Stockman Bank. Stockman Bank, your Montana brand of banking. Uh, Oregon rolled up Eastern Washington seventy to fourteen. That was, I was zero percent surprised. Uh, zero by that score. I, I really thought that the, if you would have asked me what I thought the score was, I would have said sixty three to seventy to fourteen. Especially uh, after the way Week One went for Oregon. Washington pounded Portland State fifty two to six. Wyoming uh, beat Northern Colorado thirty three to ten. Cal Poly beat San Diego twenty eight twenty seven. South Dakota State beat UC Davis twenty four twenty two. San Diego State beat. Idaho State 38-7, to and Indiana avoids a scare against Idaho. Man, your Idaho guys are loving life right now, aren't they? The Tubs at the club, they, is, I mean. That's what I'm saying, though, is like, okay, I get it. You're you're a little bit more competitive or whatever, but like the days that you're celebrating an 0-2 start is just. I, that's just, how low Idaho football's been, on, though. man. Hey, they got, I think Idaho's going to be competitive in the league this year, but I, it's just, I don't know. Man. I, I know where time's running out, but I just want to give – folks something to be excited yeah, about tell me these games this week so this week we've got really good games with Sac State on the road at Northern Iowa we're going to find that out North Dakota Northern Arizona and then obviously that Ke- one's in Flagstaff right that one is in Flagstaff that's no- a huge game to, for to get UND to come to flag is that's a huge non-conference game massive that, North Dakota slightly favored in that one but I'm already looking ahead I know the opening week of Big Sky listen to all the the questions we're gonna have answered oh so sweet Cats at Eastern yep Idaho at NAU but how about these two late games Sac State, Colorado State. Sac State might win that game. Ooh. And then Weber State, UC Davis. Week one, a conference play. And those teams have had some battles. Like, yes. I mean, for those that don't follow it as in-depth as us, which is nobody, uh, <laughs> Jake Mayer, who went to UC Davis, he was signed, still delivered to go to Weber. And then they stole him, and then Weber made sure to go in there and whip Jake Mayer's butt the very first time that they went to Davis. But then Davis has stolen some from Weber as well. Talk about dichotomy of coaches. You got one coach that just wants to run the ball, kick field goals, and beat you on special teams. Then you got Dan Hawkins who's going to run eight trick plays a game, and he's going, you know, he's just Mr. Mad Scientist dialing it up all over the place. Well, and How different are those two in a press conference, too? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. That's a really intriguing game. We, I is. know we're way ahead, but Coulter, it's starting to ramp up. It's starting to ramp up here with big-time games each week. The Grizzlies on the road at Indiana State. Uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. You've actually been there, right? I have been there. That's where you won. Riley hit a hole-in-one <laughs> <laughs> at a golf tournament a couple of years ago to win a trip. And little did he know that he's going to Terre Haute, Indiana. Is it cool? It, it is cool because I mean, it's You and unique. I spent a whole weekend in Indianapolis. We thought it was great. It was great. My my dad and I flew in there. We, we actually went to Bloomington, saw IU, went to Terre Haute and saw Indiana State, then went down to French Lick and played golf. So got the whole Indiana tour. I'm excited to go back. I'm going to be the tour guide for Grizzly football <laughs> this weekend. Got to love Montana State. On the road at Oregon State, but it's in Portland. You'll be there. I'll be there. We're hitting the road to Portland tomorrow night. Got the late flight to Portland. Then we'll be coming to you live from Portland, Oregon, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I can't tell you who's coming on the show yet, but I put in requests 
for so many people. If you can think of people that have Oregon State and Montana ties, or you can think of people that are there in the heart of Portland, chances are I requested them to come on the show. Can you just get Barney just because? Well, so I'm gonna, Bruce Barnum will be on the show. We're just trying to figure out the logistics of the how and the when. Portland State has a bye this week, which I thought was going to be a good thing, but coach has got to go recruit on her bye. And so I get it. Barney's on his way out of town, so I'm going to have to probably go to his office, but I'm excited to go see the facilities there at Portland State. I'm also going to go down to Corvallis for one day and uh, crossing my fingers, but hoping for the big man, hoping for Wayne Tickle to come on the show uh, as well. So we'll uh, we'll have a lot of a lot of Montana Oregon crossover. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, will join us each and every Monday for the first hour of the show as part of the Montana Football Hour. Thanks so much to the Advocates, Blackfoot Communications, and Stockman Bank. And thanks to Riley for swinging by. Thanks for being here, man. Absolutely, man. The uh, the main man just walked in. Marty Mornaweg in the house. All things NFL. What a crazy week one it was. It never stops getting less crazy. We'll recap it all on the Monday afternoon quarterback right after this. Keep it right here. No one is now ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 